amen, amen, amen. God bless you as you give this morning. The team's gonna pass these offering buckets through the aisles. And uh, as they do that, kind of stick with me. We're starting a new series in the Bible today. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. We're gonna open up our Bibles. If you have a hard copy Bible, get ready to turn the pages. If you have a cell phone, get to the Bible app. We're gonna go to the book of Malachi. Here's where the book of Malachi is located. It's the last book in the Old Testament. How many of you know the Bible was divided up into two portions, Old Testament and New Testament? The Old Testament, the last book, is the book of Malachi. Right before you hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all those, Malachi. Malachi, I wanna challenge all of you to go home today and read the entire book of Malachi. I can't do it, I can't, it's just too hard. It's two pages, you can do it. The book of Malachi is, how many of you can do two pages? Come on, baby. It's two pages and it's four, it's only four chapters. It's only four chapters. So starting today, we're gonna read the whole chapter one together. Next Sunday, we're gonna read chapter two. The third week, we're gonna, okay, you're, not, you're smarter than that. And we're calling this series, Nothing Less Than God's Best. Nothing Less Than God's Best. And here's why we're calling it that. There was a man named Malachi who was a prophet of God. He was a young man who was sent by God. Anytime you hear of a prophet in the Bible, a prophet is a man or woman who was given a message by God to take to the people. Sometimes it was a message of encouragement where God is clapping and saying, well done. Sometimes it was a message of, you better turn or you're gonna burn. It was a, a, a message of repentance. And whenever a prophet came into town, the people would shudder <laughs> when the prophet came into town because they didn't know if they were bringing a good message or a hard message. Well, Malachi is bringing one of those difficult to hear messages. He was sent by God, commissioned by God with the purpose of reestablishing standards of excellence amongst God, among God's people. The people had lowered the bar over time, as we do sometimes, don't we? We just lower the bar. God is sending Malachi to raise the standard of excellence in how they serve and worship God. And so if you're a note taker, I've titled this message, Reestablishing God's Standards of Excellence. It's kind of like college football. I see a UCLA Bruin t-shirt out there. Yes, UCLA has a very high standard of excellence that pull them upward. USC has a low standard of excellence that pulls them downward. Oh, I'm just, I just wanted to create enemies in here. I just, I love the tension in church. It's basically what we're talking about today is the difference between Outback Steakhouse and Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Which, okay, we won't go that far. But Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, you know what you're getting when you go there. They are in the steak business. That's what they do. The standard is very high, an excellent standard. You're probably not gonna get a bad steak at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. But you go to Outback Steakhouse, where, where I can afford, and you know you're gonna get an okay steak. I mean, they're called Outback Steakhouse. It's what they also do, but the standard just isn't as high, and you all know it. Well, a similar thing had begun to happen in the attitudes and behaviors amongst God's people in the day of Malachi. Are you all tracking with me? 
The people's spiritual commitments were drifting off course and that affected every area of their lives. Their marriages and families were going south. Finances had hit a wall. Morality was going in the wrong direction. It was chaos. It was confusion. So God appointed this courageous young man. He was a straight talker. His name was Malachi to come and reestablish God's standards of excellence and challenge the people to live up to this new standard, which really was the original standard. They had just drifted from it. And you can kind of see the parallel in Malachi's day. It's also happening in America today as well. We have drifted from the standard of God's excellence. And as we read through the book of Malachi, it's my hope that all of us would take on this challenge to live up to the high standard of serving God at an excellent level because he deserves our highest praise. And so here's the context before we even read the scripture in a second. I wanna tell you what's going on. Hundreds of years prior to Malachi arriving on the scene. So we're gonna rewind the tape. That's my, uh, we just went back in time before Malachi is alive. God had told his people, whenever it's time for you to bring a lamb to the temple as a worship offering, I want you, God says, to walk through your herds and find your very best lamb. Some might call it a blue ribbon lamb a prized possession, something that it was the best of the best, something that if you were to sell it at the marketplace, it was worth the most out of all the other lambs. God said, I want you to bring that lamb to the temple as worship, as a sacrifice for your sins, for, for atonement, and that one would bring the most money. That's the one I want. That's God's standard. That's excellence. And part of the reason why God wanted them to bring their best lamb was because hundreds of years later, after Malachi, of course, God would give us his very best, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who would take on the sins of the world. And in a way, God was saying to his people, the standard for a lamb is very high, and I want me to give, you, give me your best lamb because I'm going to give you my very best. And for a time, God's people honored that standard, and they did it. But over time, we drift as did the people that Malachi is challenging and talking to. And so here we go in the book of Malachi, chapter one, verse one through 11. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I've always loved you, says the Lord, but you retort, really, how have you loved us? Which is sometimes a conversation we have with God when we're unhappy with his pace and the way he answers or doesn't answer prayer, God, where are you? Uh, where have you been? I thought you'd be here by now. Um, Lord, how have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country. I turned Esau's inheritance into a desert for jackals. Esau's descendants in Edom may say, we have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. But the Lord of heaven's armies replies, they may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Uh, Esau and his descendants were anti-God and they were totally rebellious. So anytime they said, we're gonna rebuild, we're gonna do things great without you, God, God would just be like, no, you're not, squashed. Their country will be known as the land of wickedness and their people will be called the people with whom the Lord is forever angry. 
When you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say, truly the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond Israel's borders. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priests, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. And God said, if I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You've shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You've shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect when you give blind animals as sacrifices. Isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you, but when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asks the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. In other words, why even come to church if you're not gonna bring your best? I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. So now God is making a comparison between his people and people outside of Israel that are actually giving God excellence. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Here's the picture. Instead of people searching their flocks, trying to find their very best lamb to bring to the temple, they were doing the exact opposite. They begrudgingly with an attitude, like my kids when I ask them to pick up the house, <clears throat> walk through the herds, and they find the lamb that is leaning against the fence post because it's about ready to keel over and die. And they scoop it up and they say, this one. And they bring it to the church, to the temple, and they say, here you go, God. Here's my offering. I hope you're happy. And God sends Malachi to the people and say, hey, God, guys, God doesn't like this at all. In fact, the whole deal is offensive to him. Verse 10 Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. Putting it another way, God says, better to bring no lamb at all than to bring a blemished one. Shut the temple doors before you even try that stunt again, God says, giving me less than your best. All right. When you read that passage, it's like sobering. It's, it's true, there are people who are living life trying to figure out, Christians, trying to figure out how to do the bare minimum for God without reaping his displeasure. How can I get to heaven and do the bare minimum? That's the mentality of a lot of people, a lot of Christians in our nation. How many of you have ever worked with anyone at work who just does the bare minimum? Come on, raise them high, come on, raise them high. If you didn't raise your hand, you might be the one who does the bare minimum. I'm just trying to get you active in church. You don't raise your hand, you're gonna get picked on, all right? The people who do the bare minimum at work, they're just trying to do the least that they can do so they don't get fired and don't get written up. Well, this was the Israelite people whom Malachi was challenging. It never even dawned on them to think that giving their leftovers to God was offensive to him. 
And then you look at the passage and God is speaking through Malachi, basically saying, I'd rather you give me nothing at all than to give me the leftovers. I want nothing but your best. Talk about getting your attention. Do I have your attention, ladies and gentlemen? This really demands that we evaluate how we're living for God and why God is calling us to a new standard of living. Could it be that God is calling us to live spiritually excellent lives for him because God is an incredibly excellent God at everything that he does? For starters, how can we begin to measure God's excellence in creation? He is an excellent creator. When he spoke the world into existence, light, dark, spoke human life into existence, his hand, the handiwork of God is just amazing. Just spend a day, a single morning watching, get off your phone and get off your computer, get off the TV and just watch the sun come up on the beach. And it's just, it'll remind you again, wow, God, you are amazing, you're excellent. Or you gaze at the stars at night if you can find a clear sky on Long Beach somewhere. <laughs> or go to the Grand Canyon. For the first time, I stood at the Grand Canyon this last year. And I just stood there, I'm like, that is a big hole. That's a big, God, you are an excellent hole digger. Yeah, that is a major hole. We, uh, my wife and my kids, we were all, we got ice cream on, I think it was Thursday night this week. And did you all see the sunset? I think it was Thursday night. It was incredible. And the photos and the pictures and the videos don't do it justice. And I just wanna show you a 20 second video of our reaction. We're just acting like fools. Here we go. Oh my gosh. That's lava. It's insane. That's me saying double rainbow all the way. How many of you remember that guy? It was just, it was a moment that we're just like, oh my gosh, God, you are excellent at everything you do. What about God's excellence in creating human beings? Some of you are like, well, you know, with me for sure, you know, he was excellent when he created me. Uh, well, we have incredible bodies and minds and we have a soul and a spirit. Just think about eyesight, for example. The way God made us with the ability of eyesight, the photoreceptors in the back of your eye convert light into electrical impulses that go to your brain and then you see images. I mean, that's just incredible. That is excellent. We serve an excellent God who has made us fearfully and wonderfully. What about God's excellent patience with us? Oh, goose fraba. How, how has God been patient with you and me? Oh my gosh, he has been patient with some of you. So patient. Second Peter chapter three, verse eight through 10 says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He has excellent patience. There's no one more patient than our God. And God has always offered excellent guidance. God has offered excellent guidance. One time in the Bible, he's leading his people through a barren wilderness from Egypt 
all the way to Canaan, this land flowing with milk and honey. And he gave them not an iPhone with a GPS system, but he's so excellent, he does one better. He guided them with a cloud by day in the sky and a pillar of fire by night. And not one degree did they go off course. He is an excellent guider. And what about God's protection? One time in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's a story about how God's people were outnumbered 100 to one. I mean, severely outnumbered by an enemy nation, yet God gave his people excellent protection and he even delivered them from the hands of their enemy. God could do anything, all things are possible. He's bigger and you can be outnumbered and still have a victory because when you're on God's side, you're on the winning side. Then in the New Testament, Jesus enters humanity. He steps down from heaven into human flesh, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And he set a high standard of excellence in the way that he taught with his teaching and his wisdom. No one had ever taught like Jesus. He taught with integrity. Even the people that were trying to hate on him, he said, hey, if you find any fault in me, go ahead, throw the darts. And they couldn't find any fault in Jesus. He was a man of integrity. He was God. He, he was love and his excellence. No one had ever loved like Jesus loved. Then when it came time for Jesus to address our biggest problem, how many of you know what our biggest problem is? Don't nudge your neighbor. It's not them. It's a sin problem. He came to address the biggest problem, which is sin. And he came to die and he died an excellent death. He carried his own cross, forgave those who were pounding spikes into his hands and his feet. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And as he began to breathe his last breath, he even offered forgiveness to another sinner, a thief on the cross who said, would you remember me as we enter into paradise? And then Jesus breathed his last breath and he says, it is finished. And he died an excellent death. No one has ever died an excellent as excellent as a death as Jesus because he did it voluntarily. And of course, he pulled off an excellent resurrection, quick and clean. He left his body wrappings undisturbed in the tomb. You remember, the story even tells us in the New Testament when the women went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away and an angel of the Lord was sitting and said, he ain't here. The clothes were wrapped and folded beautifully. <laughs> it was amazing. He showed himself to 500 people before he took his, the express elevator and he ascended back to heaven. It was an excellent ascension. You should try it sometime. Have ever you tried that? Yeah, you can't do it. Only he can. He's excellent. Then he sent us his excellent spirit, the Holy Spirit, our helper. He said, I'm leaving. Jesus said, I'm leaving now, but I'm going to leave you a helper, my Holy Spirit, who will be with you always. And his followers could carry his power and his presence wherever we go. Excellence. Then he birthed an excellent, dynamic community called the church. The greatest thing Jesus ever built is the local church, the hope of the world. And he gave his followers, you and I, a family to be a part of. It's called a faith family and a mission to commit our lives to, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and make disciples. And as scripture tells us right now, he's preparing, Jesus is, an excellent eternity for you and I. 
right now. He says, I'm leaving now to prepare a place for you. All the believers who have confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, we are going to enter into eternity when you breathe your last breath or if Jesus comes back tomorrow, we don't know when, so you better be ready. But there is an excellent eternity waiting for you and I where we will spend eternity. That means forever, forever, in God's presence where you will be healed and whole. No blemish, no pain, no sorrow, no tears. It'll be amazing. Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, no eye has seen, oh, no ear has heard. Oh my gosh, no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. You think you know it? No, you don't. It's way better than you can even imagine. All right, well, now that we know what God's standard of excellence is, do we serve an excellent God or do we not? Let's go back to Malachi. Back to Malachi. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's go back to Malachi. Malachi is simply asking the question. We only have a little bit of time left. He's asking the people of his day the question, okay, then, if we serve such an excellent God, how should we respond to such an excellent God? How should we respond? What kind of worship offering do you bring to such an excellent God? And he, yes, thank you. I don't even, I'm done. Let's pray. Amen. <laughs> That's done. We're done. We don't need it anymore. Let's go. Well, he says, I'll give you a hint, everybody. Don't bring the blemished lamb. Don't bring the one with the broken leg. Don't bring the one that's blind. Bring the best. Nothing less will do. And Malachi shows us that there are three areas. You know there's gonna be three points. We could have left right there, but I gotta get the three points. Real quick, three areas of our lives that we need to offer the very best that we have. Here's number one. First, in response to God giving his very best to us, number one, we need to offer our very best commitment to God. Oh, there's that C word. It's a cuss word in our culture today. Commitment. We, it's the reason why so many people are living together before marriage and doing married things. I'm not p poking on anyone in here. But if you're not married, I'll marry you tomorrow. We'll set it up. Send me an email. We'll do it. If you're worried about money and finances, let's do it. You'll experience God's blessings if you do it God's way. So I'm talking about commitment giving God our absolute best, our co we're committed to him. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not asking you to be perfect. There, we can't. We're flawed, human, sinful human beings. We're, God doesn't want perfection. He wants our commitment. I'm talking about making a decision wholeheartedly to dedicate ourselves to the cause of Christ. That's what Christianity is all about. That's what being a Christian is. We've kind of not this church, but other churches have made it uh, uh, this casual Christianity. It's like, ah, it's just casual. If I feel like it, then I'll go. If it feels right, then I'll do it. But this is a challenge, even for the most spiritual people among us, to not keep your options open kind of mentality. We have a keep your options open mentality. Even when you make plans, you're like, I'll think about it. You're not thinking about it. You're just trying to figure out there's something better coming up on the weekend so that you can commit to that. And if someone else blows you off, then you'll go back to the first person who asks you and say, hey, do you want to go hiking? Oh, hey, I can go hiking now because those people blew. We have a mentality in our culture that's like, keep my options open. 
But as Christians, we've got to say, God, not if you, then I will. Instead, God, you already have, so I'm going to give all my best. I learned this this week as I'm studying. There's a, a, a casket up here. And uh, missionaries back in the day, it was mandatory, mandatory for missionaries, people who go to other countries to preach and proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, if they were called by God to go to a specific people group and plant churches and preach the word of God, before they would leave home, they would send their belongings ahead of them, and it was mandatory that they purchase a casket and send it ahead of them. Mandatory. Because it was a statement that said, I'm all in and I may never come back, but I'm going. I'm all in and I may never come back, but I'm going. And that's the kind of commitment you and I make when we come to Christ. We buy our own casket and we die to ourselves. That's what a Christian is, everybody. You have to die to yourself every single day so that the Holy Spirit and Christ can be magnified in and through your life. You become an empty vessel. When you say yes to Christ, you say, I am, I am buried with Christ. That's what water baptism is. That's why water baptism is so powerful and so meaningful because you go under that water and it's a watery grave. It's saying, I'm gonna be buried in this casket. My old nature, my old life is dead and gone. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm going all in. I hold nothing back. God, even if I die for your cause, I'm willing and able because you first died for me. When we commit ourselves to the Lord, it's not a 50%. It's not a 99.9%. .9 it is 100%. Malachi is saying that's what God deserves. He's an excellent God. What a fiery young guy Malachi is. I bet people are thinking the exact thing, same thing you're thinking of me right now. What do you want from me? What do you want? I mean, I'm here, aren't I? Stop yelling at us, man. I'm here. Well, it's not just an hour on Sunday. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 24 hours every single day. Wake up, think about the Lord all day long, thinking about the Lord. Lord, I'm willing to serve you no matter what comes in good seasons and bad seasons and hard seasons and seasons I'm depressed and don't feel like it and seasons when I've got great joy and all seems to be going well. I'm fully committed to you, Lord. I have purchased my cast. Actually, you have, Lord, and I'm willing to get in the box to say I am dead to myself that Christ would be gain in my life. I'm all in. Second response to give God his very best to us is number two. Here we go. We need to offer our very best love and sincere affection to God. God is such an excellent God. We need to offer our very best love and sincere affection to God. For what is this? For some of us, it may be lifting up our hands in worship. It's a sign of surrender. It's, it's a movement of uncomfortability where you, I don't even know if that's a word, but you just kind of like, it's not about me and I don't care what anyone else thinks. In praise and worship, I'm gonna lift my hands to magnify you, God. It's not, it's not like, oh, the worship team is doing so good today. I'm feeling it now. It's, Lord, even if the song was terrible, even if the drummer stinks, God, you be magnet. He's a professional drummer, by the way. Jody, I don't know where you are. He's, he's awesome. 
He left. He just, he left. He's coming. But that's what it looks like to show our sincere affection to God, to say, God, you be magnified. For some, maybe taking, every, taking time every day to not only pray and communicate with God, but to get a notebook and to start writing your thoughts and prayers and praise and thanksgiving to God. Guys, we call it a journal. Ladies, you call it a diary. Whatever you want to call it. I'm not really a journaling guy, so I don't, this is not for me. I'm not telling you to do, I'm, do what you like to do. If you are a morning person and you just love waking up before the crack of dawn, if that is your best time, how many morning people do we have in here? All right. So your best time is probably going to be where you spend time with God in his presence really early in the morning because you're sharp and alert and you're happy. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you meet with God at a McDonald's booth or in your car where you have the praise and worship music blasting and you're in God's word and there's no one else around so you can act like a fool. And when people drive by you or look at you, they're like, what is he or she doing? And you're just, ah, we give you the highest praise. If, if, you're a, if you're a night, how many night people are there? How many night owls? That's your best hour. You come alive. You're like, I'm just more creative at night. I'm just more artsy. Give your best time. That's all I'm saying is the best time of your day, give it to God. Meet with him. Have a chair. Have a place where you sit and you read God's word and you write down things that he's saying to your heart and you underline things in your Bible and you just pray and you give him thanksgiving and you present your needs and you can ask things of God, but more than anything, it's enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Give God thanks in all circumstances. That's what the psalmist did. Psalm 86, verse 10 through 13 for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Oh, teach me your way, O oh Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, one that is fully committed, that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart, all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Man, awesome. Give God your best affection. Get out of your comfort zone. Express it in a way. Remember when you were dating? I don't know how many of you are still dating or married, but when you're first dating that girl or that guy, you do some crazy stuff. You do some crazy stuff. In every wedding that I do, I teach four principles. And the first one is don't ever stop dating your mate. What you did to get her is what you'll need to keep doing to keep her. I did some crazy stuff to get my wife. I mean, absolutely, you won't even believe, it's embarrassing the things I did to get my wife. But those are the things she's still wanting me to do. She's like, what happened when you were doing that? Where did that guy go? That's what happens in our walk with Christ sometimes. At first, we're like, yeah, yeah, man, thank you, Jesus. And then time goes on, and you're like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> you forgot, you forgot the grace. You forgot the mercy. Nothing I say can make some of you smile or laugh today. It's, there's nothing I could do. God help you. Uh, third, lastly, we're going to close here in just a moment. In response to God giving his very best for us, we need to offer our very best gifts and abilities to God. I'm a pastor of this church. I've been called into full-time ministry. 
It is my job, my duty, my responsibility, and my joy to lead and to pastor this church. I had a calling on my life at a very young age, at 18 years of old, where I had a conversation with my dad. I, I said, Dad, I think I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be a pastor of a church. And he said, no, you don't. And I said, yes, I do. He said, no, you don't. Of course, he is a pastor himself, so he knew. And I, I said, why do you keep saying that? He said, you don't make any money. I said, I don't care. I don't care. I want to change the world. All right. Uh, all right, go ahead, buddy. Now I kind of care, you know, it's a, I do kind of care. I bring that up because I'm not asking you all to be pastors. God is rarely going to ask you to leave where you're at. What I'm challenging you on is to wherever you are right now, not everyone is called to pastor a church, but everyone is a minister. If you're a Christian, you are a minister where you are in your family, in your workplace, and you are not excused. No one in this place, if you're a Christian, is excused from having to wrestle with whether or not you're going to take some of your time, talent, and treasure and invest them in God's purposes. If you're a Christian, that is what he's asking for, from you. Your very best time, your very best talents, gifts, and abilities, time, and treasure. Let's finish the chapter in Malachi chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. It's too hard, it takes too much time. If I join a team at Dream City Church, they're just gonna use and abuse me. Well, isn't that the prayer you prayed, God? If you can use me, you can use me. If you can use anybody, you can use me. They're using and abusing me, Lord. It's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your nose at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asks the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. In other words, people were making promises, but then when it time, came time to give, they're like, oh, I, I made a, too big of a promise. That's a, that's a nice ram right there. For I, am great, for I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. Boy, there's nothing like serving God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength and giving God the best of your time, resources, talents, and abilities. In fact, that's the challenge as we get ready to close here today. Nothing less than my best for God's excellence. He is an excellent God. And the way that I'm gonna close this today, in just a few moments, we're, I'm actually open up the altar. We're gonna do an altar call to recommit our lives to God 100%, not 90%, not 80%, not 50% or 10%, not the leftovers and the scraps. God, you, you could have all of me. So there's gonna be Christians coming to the front. I'm gonna kneel at this altar and we're gonna sing praise and worship to God. You deserve our highest praise. There are some in this place today are gonna come to this altar because you need to give your life to Christ who died an excellent death for you to die for your sins. And you need to come and give your heart to the Lord today. And so that's what we're going to do in just a moment. But I want to sing you a song from the Beauty and the Beast movie. 
You're like, what, is, what does this have anything to do with the Bible or anything spiritual? Well, if you remember the song, they, there was a candlestick named Lumiere. And he sang this song called Be Our Guest. Be our guest, be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin round your neck, Sheree, and we'll provide the rest. Soup du jour, da, da. Oh, we only live to serve. Okay, yeah, thank you. So they said, they said, he said, we only live to serve. And then uh, he says, beef ragu, cheese souffle, pie and pudding en flambe. We'll prepare and serve with flair a culinary cabaret. And then basically he was singing this song because they had been for 10 years rusting in a castle with the doors closed and no one was doing what they were created to do. They weren't using their gifts and their talents. And some of you haven't been using your gifts and your talents and you are rusting and you are dusting. And then Lumiere in the song, he says, life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. I mean, this is biblical. And then he says, oh, those good old days when we were useful. Flabby, fat, and lazy. You walked in and oops-a-daisy, it's a guest. What I'm saying is we need to return. We were made by God and for his purposes. That's why you and I were created. And when you aren't giving your absolute commitment to God, it, you are not living up to your full potential and you're not, we're not honoring God when we don't give our best. Nothing best, nothing less than our absolute best. Would you stand all across this place? We're gonna be getting to worship the Lord and then we're gonna pray. We're gonna open the altars here this morning. If you need to recommit your life to a greater standard, would you come forward and just kneel at this altar and let's sing God's praises in this place. Come on, come forward. I'm gonna kneel right here and we're gonna pray. We give you our highest praise, Lord. Nothing less than our best. While we lift our hands in this place, we lift our voices. Amen. Let's sing it out. Come on, church. Let's give them our absolute best. Jesus, our Savior, you are worthy of it all. We give you the highest praise. We give you the
Savior, you are worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day in your house. We thank you for your presence, Lord, that is with us at all times. We've come to this altar, Lord. We've entered this temple, this church building today to tell you how grateful we are for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, we do not deserve how awesome you've been in our lives. Your grace and your mercy, that's new every morning. Thank you for pulling us out of the pit. Lord, today, if we've maybe walked in here today and we haven't been fully committed, we just kind of, we haven't been sharp. We haven't been giving you our absolute best like you deserve. We recommit our ways to you. We ask that you would, that we would not have an undivided heart. But Lord, you would have our full attention and focus. We pour ourselves out like a drink offering that when we get to the end of this race, that we would be able to say, we poured ourselves out for you, Lord. And you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Refresh us today as we go out and serve you the rest of this week and all the days of our lives. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us the strength of the Lord in Jesus' name. There are some that came to this altar to give you their life, Jesus. And then your prayer is, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me and cleanse me. Change me from the inside out so I can follow you. For those that are praying that prayer, today's a, a new day. You've got a clean slate. And from this day forward, you're a king's kid. You're a child of the most high. You've been set free. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. You've got a new destination. In eternity, you'll be in a place called heaven with God in his presence. You'll be healed and whole. And while you walk this earth, you're supposed to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, unashamed. It's like buying a casket. You're saying, Lord, I'm all in. No turning back. Lord, help us be a church that is on fire for you, God who stands on the truth. We love you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We praise you. You're worthy. We sing hallelujah. There's no one like you, God. Oh, would you just sing one more time? Just, Lord, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. Oh, you're so awesome, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.